Canterbury, please welcome your host, Kieran Harrington. Greetings, greetings, wintry nerds. Tonight in the Age of Nerdquarius, we have two teams of nerds who are going to go head-to-head over a series of rounds to try to prove who are the wittiest nerds and who are the nerdiest wits. So for tonight's episode, the theme is pop culture enlightenment. We're 50 years on from 1968, a year of immense political and social and pop cultural upheaval and the rise of the counterculture. So tonight, our nerds are going to smear on some patchouli, chuck on some Ravi Shankar and take you down a blurry trip down the pop culture rabbit hole. So we're going to meet our nerds and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves by telling us something about maybe their spiritual or astrological well-being. Perhaps we'll start on my left. Kia ora, my name's Moata, um, and my Chinese zodiac is um, tiger, but specifically I was born in 1974, which makes me the wood tiger, um, which means that I am... Mixed race mocha gorgeousness. Check. <laughs> um, also, preternaturally good at golf. Untested, but I'm assuming that I am actually a <laughs> golfing genius. Uh, and I have a tendency to drive my car and like crash it, and then have to be sort of rescued from my car by having my spouse, who I happen to have cheated on quite a bit, smash the back <laughs> window on my car with a golf club. I mean, I didn't think much of sort of astrology and stuff, but they really have got me pegged. (laughs) (laughs) That couldn't be more me. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Kia ora, um, my name is Ray. Uh, I'm Ray Ray Shipley. I'll say my full name because I don't know. Uh, um, (laughs) Right, so so I'm a Scorpio, right, with an Aries moon. Uh, You may be wondering, and yes, Bill Gates is one too. Um, so it means that both me and Bill uh, have a kind of dark sexiness uh, that means that we're often on the dance floor at funerals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that from you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I know, it's just what I exude, you know. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, uh, violent adultery and dark sexiness. So between the two of you, you have created a team. What is the name of your team? Yes, we have, Erin. Um, our team name is... Fahrenheit 420. Fahrenheit 420, everyone. And now over to my right. Uh, I'll go first. My name is Shen. I am a Cancer, which means that I'm a water crab. And in Chinese astrology, I'm a fire dragon. So that basically, I'm either like the best starting Pokemon or like a seafood dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Fire and water, you'd think I'd be pretty steamy in bed, but my girlfriend says I'm more like a, a bucket of cold water thrown over a campfire. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Um, <laughs> my name's Liv. Um, my name's Liv McKenzie. I am a Leo um, with my moon in Gryffindor. <laughs> so this means I'm a very loyal friend and I'll also probably be dead by the end of tonight. Oh, that's, that's Is that too dark of a Harry Potter joke? <laughs> no, no, it just means we've got somewhere from which we can work up, maybe. <laughs> uh, and so together you form a team. What is the name of your team? Um, our team name is Woulda, Shoulda, Coulda, Stock. Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda, Stock. <laughs> And I'm 
also joined tonight by my moderator, Andrew Keppel. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I've been sort of trying to get in touch with my hippie roots by not shaving for a few days and not showering for a few days. Yeah. It's, I'm enjoying sitting next to you. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, and are the teams playing for a prize tonight? Uh, yes, they are, actually. I've... Got the, uh, yes, they will be going on an all-expenses-paid trip through the cosmos back in time to the 1960s to live where they probably will be quite at home. Oh, how lovely. So um, we are going to start off by, do we have, oh no we don't, normally we roll for initiative with highly um, sexy Dungeons and Dragons dice, but what I'm going to get you to do tonight instead is play rock, paper, scissors to see which team is going to go first. Who's going to go? Do you want to represent us? Yeah. <laughs> paper, scissors, rock. <laughs> Did I chop you? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. So we're going to start with woulda, shoulda, coulda stock. Um, so this first round is called Nerd Quotient. And in this round, I will be testing the nerd's knowledge of things related, in some cases exceptionally loosely, to countercultural topics, stuff that happened uh, circa-ish, 1968-ish, and points will be given for correct answers, interesting related facts, or successful bluffing. So, what a shoulda, coulda stock. What from 1968 connects a flying car, broccoli, and very loose morals? <laughs> Grace? That, that yeah. might be correct, but you don't get any points. <laughs> a fly Was it the Jetsons? It's they had flying cars. Do they have loose morals? Though? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll write. <laughs> What's the bed, bed knobs and broomsticks? No, bed, bed knobs and broccolis? Bro <laughs> but. I, I don't know. Uh, could it be uh, the, the drug bus that they all went around and doing LSD? Or the electric Kool-Aid acid test bus? Yes. <gasps> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> How about I take it over to Fahrenheit 420? What connects a flying car, broccoli, and very loose morals? Well, you, Liv said something about grease, yeah, right? Yeah. But, uh, but I see the two bits, but not the broccoli bit. Mm. Well, you could maybe force the broccoli in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you were liberals. <laughs> so, I mean, they fly off at the end, which is quite silly. Mm -hmm. um, and they've all got loose morals. Yes. And that's because they ref refuse to eat broccoli. Well, it's <laughs> oh wait, wait, is Thank it because the in the video in the video there's a piece of broccoli what? when he's stuck at the drive-in? Is that right? What are you talking about? <laughs> Is it not Grace? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to give you one more clue and then I'm going to take over. Um, this is a clue for both teams. What if I told you that it involves a purveyor of literary violence? Oh, uh, Clockwork Orange. And oh. that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually... Um, these <laughs> they go to the Broccoli Plus bar. <laughs> For, for Broccolo, yeah. Um, so how about if I told you that I'm talking about two authors here, I'm talking about both Roald Dahl and Ian Fleming. Ah. So Fleming, who invented James Bond, yeah? yeah. He also wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's no. the Ben and Broomsticks <laughs> that I was thinking of. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was released on screen in 1968 with the screenplay co-written by Roald Dahl. But Roald Dahl also wrote a screenplay for a James Bond film. Do you know which one it was? Casino Royale? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> was that the first one that came to mind? <laughs> broccoli, broccoli. Oh, Greenfinger. 
The big friendly spy who loved me. He wrote the screenplay for You Only Live Twice, which is um, an awesome film with a decidedly uh, dodgy Orientalist subplot, uh, which screened in 1967. But both films were produced by Albert R. Broccoli, the producer producer who brought Bond to the screen. Well, I'm disappointed in everybody that they didn't know. (laughs) The oeuvre of uh, Albert R. Broccoli. What would be your secret agent Shame on you. If you had a secret agent name, what would it be? Or drink, perhaps? Broccoli martini? <laughs> Steamed nuts. Steamed nuts. I don't even know how you cook broccoli. <laughs> Steamed, not boiled. Ivana, lie down, probably. <laughs> is, is, that, is that your tired mum Bond name? Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, so back over to Fahrenheit for 20. I'd be uh, double Tundra. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, Over to the Fahrenheit 420 for the next question. I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read you the opening of an infamous Time magazine cover story from 1972. It is Saturday night. A young army officer and his wife welcome a small group of people to their comfortable split-level home, which stands amid the tidy landscaping of a housing development in Louisville. The guests, most of them dressed neatly in sports clothes, include a computer programmer, a store clerk, a dog trainer, and a psychology major from the nearby university. They all troop downstairs to a vinyl-floored recreation room. Is this a bridge party? A committee meeting for a charity drive? Hardly. What happens next? They smoke a lot of weed. (laughs) (laughs) Is this how Amway started? (laughs) Well, actually, you you might agree once I tell you what the actual answer is. A computer and a psychologist and a dog trainer. A clerk, a trainer, a psychologist. They're they're just nice professionals. Right. Nice suburban professionals going downstairs to do something dirty. Oh, dirty. Oh, oh. oh, it could be dirty, actually, yeah. How about I go over to um, <laughs> what, what a shoulda, coulda stock. Do you have any ideas what happens next in this exciting story? Orgy. Is it a Tupperware party? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that orgy, Amway and Tupperware parties kind of come close, but I'm going to keep reading this to you and you're going to find out why. Um, it's, it's a something party. Oh. Uh, the hour is midnight. On the front door of the house is an orange emblem showing black pitchforks. Downstairs, the party is gathered solemnly before a black draped altar, facing Ooh. them on the wall. Yeah, do you are have they something? Satanists? They are Satanists. Yeah. Oh, oh, so yeah, 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 Amway, Tupperware, and what was the other one? Key Party. Yeah. Yeah, close enough. So this is a cover story from um, Time Magazine called "The Occult Revival," <laughs> and um, it talks about um, substitute faiths charting a renewal and an interest in occult occultism, alternative religion, witchcraft, astrology, and the rise of occult bookshops, including Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible in 1969. Um, Astrology is making a pretty big comeback at the moment. What do you think, what sort of occult practice do you think should be making a comeback? Is this for anyone? Anyone at all. You can either ding in. Voodoo dolls. What sort of voodoo dolls? Trump voodoo dolls. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you've got a pretty good market for that one there, yeah. Just witchcraft. All of it. Yeah, all of (laughs) it. Bring it all back. 
Bring it all back. Any particular aspect that you're into, Liv? The hats. (laughs) (laughs) I love an accessory. Chunky jewels. Yeah. Yeah, chunky jewellery. Long hair, robes, hats. Very good. Okay, over to woulda, shoulda, coulda stock. Why, is your question, why from 1968 could you finally keep both feet in the bed? Uh, Because the Hayes Code had been... Disbanded. Absolutely. You get, um, <laughs> you, get, you, get, you get multiple points for this. So this is a question about censorship in film. And oh you God, are the most excited cancer. that I've ever seen you in the entire time that I've known you. Well, uh, yeah, because it used to be like it was immoral for both people to be in bed together. And so mm-hmm. someone had to have a foot out. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And something about the Flintstones. They, they were the first couple that were shown oh, in bed yeah. together. I really? Think. Yeah. You can, you can have points for that because we can't fact check it. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy and Desi had separate beds. Yes, yes. So um, a couple could sleep in either separate twin beds or if they were in the same bed, the woman had to have one foot on the floor during the duration of whatever the scene was. So this is under the Motion Picture Production Code, which was also known as the Hayes Code, which was established in 1930 and then enforced very rigorously from 1934. But of course, lots of filmmakers and artists did all sorts of crazy things to kind of circumvent it with um, amazing um, double O tondras. It's the idea that you you couldn't have sex if there was like one foot on the ground. Because I mean, you're not trying very hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure you can. Shows a a bit of a lack of basic imagination, I think. So, 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 do you know anything more about the Hayes Code? Or is there something to do with uh, comic books as well? It yeah, lots. It's a different code for comics, but yeah, very, very kind of similar in terms of its morality. Uh, McCarthy, he got into it. I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, so he always made his wife sleep with one foot on the ground. <laughs> so this was um, a code that the film industry followed really stringently up until the 50s when it began to weaken considerably. And then in 1968, we ended up with uh, the rating system that we have today from the MPAA, where you get, say, G for general audiences, R for restricted, and so on. But I'm going to give you points, and you can ding in, if you can name any of the other things that were explicitly banned outright no matter how they were portrayed in the wording of um, the Hayes Code. Yeah. Um, pregnancy? Uh, I'll give you points because one of the things was scenes of actual childbirth in fact or in silhouette. <laughs> uh, drug use? Uh, that is correct. The illegal traffic in drugs. Toilets flushing? No, but I know where you're coming psycho. from because of psycho, <laughs> yeah. the toilet not being able to be shown. And um, what I will give you for that instead, what I will give you is sex hygiene and venereal disease. <laughs> <laughs> is that all right with you? Oh, definitely. Oh, good. Good, very good. Preferably. Uh, yeah? is, is interracial kissing in there? Yes, miscegenation. Oh. Sex relationships between the black and white races. <laughs> uh, those listeners at home can't see the expressions on faces. <laughs> Anything else? You can just make shit up if you like. Boobs. Uh, yes, you can have that. Any licentious or suggestive nudity, in fact, or in silhouette, and any lecherous or licentious <coughs> notice thereof by any other characters in the picture. Wait, so as long as it's not suggestive boobs, you can have boobs. Well, you, you could have, say, <laughs> potential... Oh, well, one of the ways that, that these rules were gotten around was through um, educational films. So you could talk about venereal diseases through that, and I'm sure you could probably show boobs just so long as nobody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Broccoli? 
Broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no, no, broccoli is not on the list, although there is any inference of sex perversion, so we'll link that to broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> Two-piece bathing suits. Uh, that, um, that can kind of fall under suggestive nudity, I think, yeah. Navels. That can fall under nudity too. Do you want more points? Well, um, yes. wasn't, I, dream, I, I dream of Jeannie, her little yeah. Jeannie outfit came up over her belly button because yeah. they weren't allowed to show her oh, yeah. navel. Yeah, that's a little bit after, but you're getting in the, the right thing. Um, you can have maybe one or two more. Hmm? Navel oranges? <laughs> no, that can go with sex perversion and broccoli. Navels are like to they do with go perfectly with sex perversion. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. So some of the other ones were um, children's sex organs, uh, ridicule of the clergy, <laughs> white slavery. Oh, black slavery is okay. Yeah. Black slavery is a okay, even though one of the other. Um, Categories was willful offence to any nation, race, or creed, which clearly did not include black people. Um, and uh, and one of the things that I love when you go back and read these morality codes is that the people who are interested in upholding morality are the ones that are most obsessed with the mm -hmm. details of that. So this one is pointed profanity by either title or lips. You couldn't uh, mouth things. This includes the word God, Lord, Jesus Christ, unless they be used reverently in connection with proper religious ceremonies, hell damn God, <laughs> and every other profane and vulgar expression, however it might be spelled. <laughs> because did, didn't they get in trouble? They had to pay a fine when at the end of uh, Gone with the Wind when uh, Clark Gable says, I don't give a damn. Mm. Unbelievable. I don't give a drat. <laughs> Good. So um, clearly, films of this era suffered from a degree of reefer madness. So I, I have a side quest for us, a follow up task. There are apparently more than a thousand words for marijuana. Um, we are going to have a quick game of ping pong in which I'm going to point at each team and they're going to give me a word for marijuana. Um, we're going to start slow and the first team to not be able to give me a slang word quickly loses and the others can have a, an amount of points that Andrew sees fit. Yeah? Um, so let's start over here. Weed. Dope. Reefer. Pot. Ganja. Wacky backy. Doobies. Electric Puha. Devil's Lettuce. Mary J. <laughs> Maui Wowie. Uh, wacky Tabacky. Oh. No, no, no. It's, uh, you said. Uh, wacky Backy and Wacky Tobacky. What's to the difference between the two? A T. <laughs> <laughs> A Stavely Street special. <laughs> One for the Christchurch. Yeah. Uh, Principal Export of Northland. <laughs> Scooby Dooby Puff Gisden The West Coast Retirement Plan <laughs> Lime Thrifty uh, Gisborne Gold Green California Sunshine Tie Happy Thunder Grass <laughs> Clippings <laughs> <laughs> I, think we'll, I think we'll end up there and hand it back over to Woulda Shoulda Coulda Stock for their um, superior local knowledge of marijuana um, <laughs> Okay, so that's the end of our first round, which means we're going to go over to Andrew to update us on the scores. Yes, well, uh, Fahrenheit 420 on three points at the moment, 
and woulda, shoulda, coulda, ironically, with the high score of 12. Whoa! Whoa. Speaking, speaking of whoa, I'm going to ask you to do that again in just a minute because um, I've set some homework this uh, episode. As always, we set the nerds some homework, and tonight what I've asked them to do is to enlighten us, to lay out for us some details of some sort of, uh, I guess, conspiracy or cosmic connection, like how if you set the dark side of the mood playing, when the third lion's roar of The Wizard of Oz, it will like totally line up, man. So at the end of each piece of pop cultural enlightenment, I'd like you, the audience, to go, whoa. Can I get you to practice that for me? Whoa. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start with Fahrenheit 420 and Ray. I'd like you to enlighten us, please. All right. Okay. Bear with me. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> in, in July 2001... Uh, surviving information about MK Ultra, which was the CIA mind control program, was declassified, which provided clear proof that the US government funded mind control experiments for years, right? But what if this declassification was a clever ploy to stop people from questioning those experiments? What if MK Ultra was funded and officially sanctioned by something even more sinister than the American government? <laughs> the proof is clearly hidden, but it's in plain sight. In the opening chapter of Ken Kesey's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Kesey, who was famously a participant in early government-sanctioned testing of LSD, actually wrote Cuckoo's Nest as a way of getting the truth out to the world. Okay, here we go. It's getting, it's getting tense. MK Ultra was actually a very long-form game mind control thing masterminded and funded by, bear with me, a struggling fake tan company. <laughs> if only, they thought, if only one day, far into the future, the free world could be led by a man so tanned that the public were forced to admire and respect our products. Imagine if tan, if tan could even, the, like, it could tan even the greasiest and slimiest of people, he would never struggle for business again. Kesey was one of the few people wise to this, so he hid a message in his novel. So here I have the orange penguin classic <laughs> copy to read from. Uh, so uh, just just bear with me because there's some mathematics now. MK Ultra started in 1953, and if we take that away from the uh, year Kesey was born in uh, 1935, we get the number 18 and the 18th line on each page of the first few pages. Of the line on each page of the first few pages says <clears throat> funny orange out of control expensive baby doll <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah that's that's it that's all there oh. thank you oh no I've got a, a final line easy <laughs> He died in 2001, in December 2001, just after they were declassified, so that he couldn't, he couldn't argue it anymore. Whoa! Again now. That's Thank amazing, you. Ray. Thank you. Whoa, man. That's great. Um, Liv, <laughs> are you going to compete with that? I hope so. Good. Go for it. Okay. So this is a lot of, this is a lot of numbers, uh, so bear with. So Jim Morrison is still alive, right? That's a fact. Uh, 
<laughs> and okay, so the number the number one and the number of the eleven is very important because what is eleven? It's two ones. So Jim Morrison, there's eleven numbers in Jim. Nor no, eleven letters in Jim Morrison. Do you know what else is eleven letters in? Jesus Christ. He's also come back to life. Both start with J. Um, <laughs> Jim Morrison, the date that he died, uh, he was born, 8th of the 12th, 1943, adds up to one. The date that he died, 3rd of the 7th, 1971, adds up to one. Spooky. So his, ni his nickname was the Lizard King. There's 10 letters in Lizard King. What's one plus zero? One. <laughs> so... Jim Morrison, he, he died and came back to life. No, he didn't die. He faked his death because his dad worked for the Navy, so he knew all about MK Ultra. It could get those good drugs that make people think you're dead, but you're not. Easy, fake your death, you're fine. So the Lizard King, in, in South Dakota, is the biggest reptile zoo in the world. There's 11 letters in South Dakota. Or just like there's 11 letters in Jim Morrison's name. <laughs> The, um, he died, he died in Paris, there's five letters. Reptile Gardens is the name of the zoo, 14 letters, one plus four equals five. So he didn't die in Paris, he's alive <laughs> in Reptile Gardens. The general manager of Reptile Gardens is Thomas Lang, 10 letters, one plus zero, one. <laughs> so, and if he was still alive today, he'd be 74, seven plus four, 11. Eleven letters in Jim Morrison. Whoa! Whoa. Hole proof. Find find <laughs> find a plot that doesn't match up in that. <laughs> find a thread that you can, that you can unravel because you can't. It all makes perfect sense and was explained very well. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how long was I up till one in the morning? <laughs> So, um, so Andrew, I'm going to put that to you to to, to cast judgment upon. Um, well, I think uh, coming with Occam's razor about which is the craziest one, I think Ray can get five points for that one. Very good. Well done, Ray. And Liv can have one plus zero points. <laughs> Excellent. So this next round is a quotes round. It is called Nifty Fifty. I have a list of quotes from pop culture slash film slash... It's meant to be literature, but I've written la tra tra <laughs> <laughs> from 1968. So the nerds can ding in. This is a ding-in round, if you know. Points for correctness, good lying, or entertaining stalling. You maniacs. You blew it up. Ah, damn you. God damn you. It's Shelton Heston. All to hell. At the oh. end of Planet of the Apes. Points to you. Very good. Uh, next one. I know I've made some very poor decisions recently, but I can give you my complete assurance that my work will be back to normal. I've still got the greatest enthusiasm and confidence in the mission. Is that me talking to my boss? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it Dr. Strangelove? No, it's not, but that's a good guess. Uh, is that Hell 9000? It is Hell 9000 from the film uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, this next one, this is one very close to my heart. As a, as a person who loves this particular thing, which I just about gave away. Um, <laughs> um, what have you done to him? What have you done to his eyes, you maniacs? Rosemary! 
Rosemary's Baby. It is Rosemary's Baby. Well done. Uh, the next one. We're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> That's how it's delivered as well. Is that um, Night of the Living Dead? It totally is Night of the Living Dead. Very well done. Next one. Make love. But nobody's done that for hundreds of centuries. Barbarella. Very good. I had some um, other quotes from that too. Uh, the time is right. The queen is in her chamber of dreams. And Vade Retro, Earth Girl, I know you don't really exist. Uh, next one. I can hear my beard growing. <laughs> just, just me when I'm on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> any, any other guesses? What if I told you it's animated? That's the Yellow Submarine. It is Yellow Submarine. Well done. Um, I've got a few literary ones as well. So um, some of these quotes are a few lines long, so just ding in if you know. Uh, the Island of Gaunt, a singly, I think I wrote that one wrong, a mountain uh, that lifts its peak a mile above the storm-wracked northeast sea is a land famous for wizards. From the towns of its high valleys to the ports in its dark, narrow bays, many a Gauntishman has gone... Uh, forth to serve the lords of the archipelago in their cities as a wizard or a mage, or looking for adventure to wander working magic from isle to isle in all of Earthsea. <laughs> Is it Earthsea? <laughs> <laughs> Librarians. So, so we have, we have, it's so embarrassing. We, we, have, we have two distinct teams tonight. We have a team of comedians and we have a team of librarians. <laughs> and part of the reason that I brought in literary questions was to throw the librarians a bone. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear you properly over the sound of my beard growing. <laughs> um, you you the, don't get a point because you're taking the piss. Her, her name is Ursula, Ursula something. Ursula, Ursula Le Guin. Le Guin. Um, a Wizard of Earthsea, which was first published in 1968. Next, um, next literary question, librarians. Um, human beings like shouting, said Orinoco through his hat. Haven't you noticed that yet? They shout when they play golf and they shout at their dogs. This is the Wombles. It is the Wombles. <laughs> so the very first Wombles book by um, Elizabeth Beresford came out in 1968 before it made it to television and stop motion glory in 1973. Um, this it was one, the Goloth reference because yeah. you know, obviously I'm very good at Goloth. Yep, you are amazing. <laughs> very good. This, oh, this, I shouldn't have included this one because it's really easy. The Iron Man came to the top of the cliff. How far had he walked? Nobody knows. Is it, is it Iron Man? It is the Iron Man. <laughs> so the Iron Man by um, Ted Hughes, 1968. And of course it had a wonderful film in 1999. The Iron Giant? The Iron... Wait, the is, it, is this like the comic book Iron Man? No. No, no you lose your points. Uh, no, I didn't think see, so. See, I was like, it can't be Iron Man because that's the... It must yeah. be the giant... And Iron I can't was it so Iron Giant? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an unholy combination of the two, and you all suck. I'm and we're moving on. <laughs> so sorry. Andrew, what are the scores? Uh, 12 points for Fahrenheit 420. Woulda, coulda, shoulda are now on 17 points, Ooh. but they're being caught up too. So. Yeah, they are. they are. They're being cheeky as well, so we're going to have to watch that. <laughs> right. Um, our next round, and it's the first round before we go to intermission, is called Crazy Eights, and it is a... Quote, make a vaguely educated guess round. So, <laughs> so I'm going to give each team the name of a product, and they're going to have to tell me whether they think the product originated in 1948, 1968, or 1988. If you've got reasoning, that's good. If you just want to 
smash them with a guess, that's good too. The Frisbee. Oh, the... oh shit, sorry, I didn't give it to one of the teams. There oh. we go, Librarians, Frisbee. Uh, 48. Correct. Sweet, do I need to justify that? Well, Only if you it, feel like it. It. <laughs> um, it started out as being like the metal pans that they made pies in. Maybe. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, what <laughs> successful <laughs> bluffing. They can have more points for that as well. Yes. <laughs> but it came to massive cultural relevance in 1968. <laughs> at Woodstock. <laughs> that even... I'm going to shut up now. Would have, should have, could have stock. Um, the lava lamp. You don't need to ding, it's for your team. But you can ding if oh. you like, because it's fun. It's like it's a hippie fun. thing. 1968. Correct. Because <laughs> drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else have I got? Prozac. Or Zipra. Yeah. Uh, well, not, I'm not suggesting anything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I could use some of those. Yeah. Um, Prozac. Uh, Eighty? No, six. No. You go. I did the seventy-eight. Let's go. What difference? That's alright. So nineteen seventy-eight. Uh, no, it was nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. But oh. but I appreciate your collaborative approach. So. <laughs> it was very good. Tupperware parties. Well, we know that one. That's what the <laughs> <is>. <laughs> oh yeah, sixty-eight. No, they actually originated in nineteen forty-eight. So that was a Satanist prank. Oh, um, those statements. Uh, Fahrenheit for twenty. The McDonald's apple pie. Mm. I don't know how old McDonald's is. Eighty-eight. When did? Mm. Well, no, if you hang on, I feel like they had the apple pie when they. Oh, went to Christchurch. Right, and when? Mm. Was it a new when development they, then, or had it been around for a long time? No, it's sixty-eight. 68. Yeah, that's like sixty-eight. Sixty-eight's correct. Um, and in fact, the Big Mac was released nationally in the United States in 1968 as well, too. Uh, over so the, to what's it? So the apple pie is older than the Big Mac. No, same age. Same age. Ish. Yeah. Well, no. well, not 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 every single individual apple pie. No. <laughs> I feel like a lot of those apple pies Thank are goodness. still around from 1968. Yeah. I used to work at McDonald's, and that's true. Can <laughs> uh, what a shoulda coulda stock. Uh, Mentos. The fresh maker. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, mm. Let's go 40, uh, 48. 48's correct. Were you going to backtrack? I can take the point yeah, away. No, I was going to say it like as a post-war... Fresh maker. Fresh maker. <laughs> <laughs> really cheered people up. Because they, they could have, use sugar mm. again, and they needed something to make the population mm. happy. Yeah, Mentos. Yeah, sure, but that cool that'll trick do. where you put the Mentos into the Diet Coke. But Diet Coke that mm. got invented at the same time as YouTube, right? They used to fire them <laughs> into the German planes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fahrenheit for twenty. Um, Powerade. Surely, eighty-eight. Unless it's one of those trick ones. Because like, because it's because <laughs> it's ga Gatorade has been around for a long time. Mm. We're not, but but we're like, not talking about Gatorade. No. We're talking about Powerade. But surely they're related. I've <laughs> <laughs> got the same last name. It's <laughs> 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 so right, man. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> conspiracies tonight. Oh my god. Are they married? Are my, they siblings? <laughs> 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 Gatorade was born in 28. <laughs> 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 Powerade. 
But I, mean, I deserve a point for that. You do yeah. deserve a point. <laughs> <laughs> like, make sure that that's happening. Yeah, no, you got a point for that. It's good. Uh, cool. It's, I mean, with like, is Gatorade the, the originator, and then Powerade is like the. Yeah, I think the that's the because yeah, Power's newer than Gatorade. <laughs> Very ancient, like. But from the time uh, of the dinosaurs, gators. Gators, so, um, exactly. Uh, yeah. But power, quite new. Uh, war, si- 68. 1988. And it became the official sports drink of the Olympics in the same year. Wow. Just, it's it's a steep trajectory. Just climbing just out some, from under the shadow but it was of the brought in, Yeah, it was brought in <laughs> specifically as competition to Gatorade. Right. So um, they're like bickering siblings. Right, that's the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the children of Kool-Aid. Except they decided to change the spelling of their name to kind of like deny the country that they'd come from. True. Yeah, that's good. Did Um, it start off as a powder? I've got no idea. Sorry. It started off as a powder. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) My my crappy Googling didn't go quite that far. AIDS generally was a 1980 thing. I went there, sorry. I'm not sure if I should give you a point or take away a point <laughs> for, for being grim. Um, oh, just a couple more. Um, are we over? Are we over to your side now? It must be. Yeah, it must be. Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels cars. It must be 48. Yeah. They've been around forever. Yeah, cars were invented around then, so. <laughs> 1968. Oh. So incorrect oh. on that one. So close. Um, and oh, one last one for. Fahrenheit 420, the computer mouse. The computer mouse? I wasn't really using computers before 1988. No. So I don't have any... But my, my, my grandfather very proudly tells me about a time when he was, like, working in his life. So, like, the 70s, where they had a cool computer the size of a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Did they have a mouse, though? Did he mention that? (laughs) (laughs) Did he mention the peripherals? But but surely, in order to... mm, Nah, the end. 1988. No, it was 1968, actually. And the computer mouse was demonstrated first in the Mother of All Demos by um, Douglas Engelbart of Stanford Research Institute's Augmentation Research Centre. And for the first time altogether, they demonstrated the computer mouse, the video conference, teleconferencing, hypertext, word processing, hypermedia, object addressing, and a bunch of things that I don't understand because I'm a humanities major. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Steve Jobs. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Actually, no, I've got one or two more. Um, I'll give you you one more each. What a shoulda, coulda stock. Uh, Scrabble. Hmm. That must be the 40s. It's been around forever, like Hot Wheels. <laughs> Words were also invented. Scrabble is the only. <laughs> Scrabble is the, yeah, in the 40s. Yeah. Scrabble is the only game where the board is trademarked. Normally, you're not allowed to trademark rules, uh, uh, so but there's a special exemption for the Scrabble board. Why? Uh, so that words with friends can't rip it points. off. 20 points. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a special exemption? Because uh, the lady who invented it. Uh, was married to... Hasbro. Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> Both of no them. Both bros. What was your answer? <laughs> oh. 48. Yeah, 48, you get a point for that. And um, let's, let's finish with something nice. The UN Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Oh. 
Oh, I'm going to look like a dick if I don't know this stuff. Yeah, because we're like, like librarians. Like, Failures of <laughs> human <laughs> beings. Should, we should know. But surely it was invented around the time of, uh, like, you know, after the, the wars. And they were like, oh, shit, we've made some mistakes. Let's, <laughs> let's avoid that. Uh, and Correct. Very good. So December the 10th, uh, 1948. Some of the others that I had on my list were norovirus, which, <laughs> <laughs> which was um, first identified after an acute outbreak of gastroenteritis in Newark, uh, Ohio in 1968. The LP in 1948, the Polaroid land camera in 1948, the play school kitchen in 1988, and the chicken McNugget burger. Which <laughs> <laughs> Where can I chicken, get that? Sorry, no, I, um, I conflated two things at once. The oh. McChicken burger, sorry, which oh. was brought in in 1980 but failed but was replaced by Chicken McNuggets and Chicken McNuggets succeeded so the Chicken McChicken Burger came back in 1988 and that's my conspiracy theory. Uh (laughs) Um, Andrew, can you top us up on the scores please? Uh, Yes, Uh, Fahrenheit 420 are in ascension at the moment on 17 but woulda, coulda, shoulda are just ahead on 20. Oh, well done to woulda, shoulda, coulda. Uh, the next round is a new round. Mm. <laughs> it is called Betty Crocker's Grand Kitchen Slam. <laughs> so what I've done is I've given each team a recipe from a late 1960s regrettable recipe card from the, <laughs> from the McCall's Great American Recipe Card Collection. And I've asked them to present it, or parts of it, or whatever else, in the form of some kind of beatnik poetry slam. <laughs> the other team, then, is going to have to guess what it is that they're cooking, be it the name of the recipe or just what the fuck that combination of ingredients <laughs> could, could possibly go. Um, so, Andrew, who do you think should go first? How are the scores sitting? Um, I think we should make woulda, coulda, shoulda go first since they're ahead. Okay, very good. So take it away, take your time, and then I'm going to ask Fahrenheit 420 to guess the name of your recipe or something vaguely... Oh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (coughs) Satanist's dinner party. Sugar, salt... Apple juice. (laughs) Heat. Low heat. (laughs) Stirring constantly (laughs) until sugar and gelatin are dissolved. (laughs) Heat. Low heat. Apple juice, lemon juice, vinegar, and cold water. Medium bowl, refrigerate one hour or until mixture is a consistency of unbeaten egg white. (laughs) Carrot, celery, green pepper, pimento. Stir until well combined. The devil (laughs) is in the details. Oh, good, good. Put it up on the microphone. Turn into decorative. Makes eight servings. Hot. Low heat. 
Listening at home, um, part of the pleasure of that performance was watching Liv try to get a, a beer glass to sing by dipping her finger in the water and running it around the rim. And then our delightful host, Michael Bell, who runs Orange Studios, running out and getting a wine glass and yes. then coming back in and um, Saving helping the day, along. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Is there anything, like, do you want to provide any commentary to your performance? Um, G- give, given, that, given that some of the technical elements didn't quite work. I have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just like to say that. Mm. <laughs> that was, yeah. Are you a water sign? A water sign? No, I'm a Leo. I'm a fire sign. Of course, that didn't fucking work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you, um, Fahrenheit for twenty? What do you make of the recipe? <laughs> Honestly, I'm just so caught up in the drama of yeah. like, <laughs> would the water, the glass singing thing work? Like I've got literally, I've got pimentos written down. That's yeah. the, the only thing I heard. The only word I remember was gelatin and like something about a warm bowl, <laughs> which I may have imagined. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, there's apple juice, lemon juice, vinegar, carrot, celery, cabbage, green pepper. Oh, is it some kind of salad cocktail? <gasps> Ooh, getting pretty close. It is a type of salad. What type of salad? Type? <laughs> a jelly salad. A jelly it salad. Is a, it is a jelly salad. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, do do you do you know what what the name of this vegetable gelatin salad is? Do you want to? Disgusting. Uh, <laughs> disgusting salad. Jolly uh, jolly green. Jelly salad. Jelly salad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're kind of close. Would you like to tell them what the name of your recipe is? It's perfection salad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, I disagree. I would encourage everyone at home to uh, Google perfection salad to see the delightful picture of perfection salad. Um, and it's gelatinous, green, <laughs> spotted, um, bunt pan type. Hideousness, gorgeousness, hideousness. Very good. Okay, so over to Fahrenheit 420, and I'd like you to perform your recipe. Okay. <coughs> You're gonna do the yeah. bongos, and I'll yeah, and, and do the bell if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chill out, man. <laughs> Whew. One, two, three, four, five, six medium bananas. Bananas. <laughs> Quarter cup lemon juice. Six thin slices ham, 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 prepared mustard, two envelopes, sauce mix. Quarter cup light cream. Lightly, lightly, lightly butter shallow baking dish. Oh yeah. Peel bananas. Bananas. Sprinkle each with tablespoon lemon juice to prevent darkening. 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 Spread ham slices with mustard. Wrap each banana in slice of ham. Ham! In single layer casserole. Bake ten minutes. Minutes. Meanwhile, make sauce. 
Then small saucepan, combine hollandaise sauce, mix one cup, water, tablespoon, lemon juice, cream. Heat. <laughs> Stirring to boiling. Pour over bananas. Bananas. Bake five minutes longer until slightly golden. 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 Nice with a green salad for brunch or lunch. Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> amazing um there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot to like about it but my favorite part of that is that when you start going banana, 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 you, you remind me of the the martian yip yips from um sesame street yip 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 nope 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 sauce Strong sauce in my ham ham <laughs> yeah very good so uh-huh, uh-huh. so so what a shoulda coulda stock what do you make of that uh acid reflux <laughs> It's super phallic sounding. It's, was it the bananas? Yeah. <laughs> or was it the heat? Wrapped in ham. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, is that a Hawaiian hot dog? That, that would be a good name for it. Right. But, but actually the name's a little bit more prosaic. The name is just Ham and Bananas Hollandaise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Trey European. <laughs> Very good. Um, I, I thought that both teams did really well, but um, who do you think, Andrew, should, should, should take um, points for that one? Well, seeing as neither of them guessed each other's, mm. I think that's a pretty even sort of way. But as for the performances, uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I gave three points for mm. that. And for Fahrenheit 420, I gave five points and a little flower. Oh, very good. Well done. Right, it's time for our second round of homework. Um, so, so you'll recall in between Acid Reflux that we are listening to the nerds put forward crazy kind of conspiracy theory, cosmic connections. Whoa, man, yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, am I just talking to myself? <laughs> um, Shen, I'd like you to go oh. first, please. Okay. Well, uh, I'm a Cancer. Cancer is a moon sign, so I've decided to share a little known fact about the moon. Uh, it's a pretty well-known fact that the moon landing was faked. Don't think that's a conspiracy. But the reason why might surprise you, it's because the moon is actually an incredibly cool place. And so the rich people didn't want everyone to know about it. <laughs> that's why they set up Stanley Kubrick to fake the moon landing in some dusty old sandbox, you know? Unfortunately for them, partying on the moon used to be very common, and so there's a lot of references throughout popular culture to the moon. Uh, you, I don't know if you've... What, uh, heard about a little movie called Breakfast at Tiffany's, mm-hmm. starring Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. What does she sing in that uh, movie? Moon, Moon River. Ooh. A river on the moon. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks knew that the moon was a chariot driven across the night sky by the, the moon goddess Selene. You might be thinking a, a river and a, a chariot. How can that work? But I posit to you, that it was a chariot with a leaky muffler. And that's where the river came in. And it, does, does the story of a woman flying in a chariot through the sky sound familiar? Maybe uh, the name Mrs. Frizzle in the magic school bus? Hmm? Basically, uh, a documentary, the magic school bus, made by the crab people of the moon. For those who are awake enough to use their real eyes 
to realize real lies. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. That was uh, Will Smith's son. <laughs> but, but all those are just lies told to you by the sun-centric media. You know, another word for sun-centric is heliocentric. And who is Helios? Celine's brother. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. You know what else? What's that? Oh. oh. Whoa. Liv's got a moon tattoo. I've got that done today. That's commitment. No, I didn't. I didn't. I swear I didn't. Plus, John Morrison, the lizard king, lives Jim on Morrison. the moon. John Morrison. John Morrison. <laughs> John Morrison, brothers. the guy who made the Muppets, lives on the moon. <laughs> Jim Henson, the cool uh, guitar guy who sang Purple uh, Haze, lives on the moon. Jim Henson, the Lizard King, lives on the moon. You know who else lives there? Jim Henson's a Lizard King too, because Kermit's a frog. We're taking a full-blown trip down the rabbit hole here. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to stop you because I'm really worried that if you keep going, we're not going to be able to kind of belay you back up. And we need you for the rest of the episode. But I'm starting to believe my own conspiracy theory <laughs> that I was asked to make up. So, need a nap. Right. Um, Moata. Nice. Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. What does he? <laughs> Does he live in a pineapple under the sea? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about pineapples. Uh, pineapples um, uh, have been symbolic since sort of around the 16th century with uh, home, hospitality, um, a place of safety. This came about because uh, when pineapples came from the New World, they were quite expensive delicacy. And so you would, you know, in Europe, you, you know, splashed out and bought a pineapple for somebody. You'd only do it like when you had guests coming over, sort of like the 16th century shrimp cocktail. You know, you'd be like, oh, you've got a pineapple in. <laughs> Fancy. Uh, and then from there, it, it grew to become a symbol of um, hominess. So uh, you'll find, particularly in North America, there's lots of, um, you'll see pineapples as door knockers, pineapples uh, carved into um, dining furniture, fireplaces, that kind of thing. So that, that's pineapples. Also, interesting fact about pineapples, they float. Uh, <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, a lot of people believe that SpongeBob is a kitchen sponge. This is not correct. SpongeBob is a sea sponge. Uh, the show SpongeBob SquarePants was created by um, a marine biologist. And no, it actually was. And not 3M. So he is a sea sponge. Um, and this has been shown, you know, I'm not making that up either. He, in certain episodes, has like grown small versions of himself up the side of his body and his head in the same way that um, sea sponges reproduce asexually, by the way, um, which is very SpongeBob, I think. Um, <laughs> um, and I learned some things about sea sponges. So they can be lots of colours, but yellow is definitely one of the colours they can be. Um, when you harvest a sea sponge, in their natural state, they... There are three parts of a sea sponge. There's the inner core, which is a soft, squishy bit. 
Um, then there's they're sort of covered in a gelatinous goo, and then on the outside they have a hard shell. Um, and then when they harvest them, they you know they, they cut them out, they take them up onto the boat, um, they squeeze them so the gel stuff comes out, and then they throw them onto the deck. It's important to remember, this is going to come up later. Mm. Throw them onto the deck, cover, cover them in a burlap sack so that the outer shell gets soft and is easier to remove. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but SpongeBob does not have an, a hard outer shell. He is... Essentially, a skeleton. Uh, SpongeBob <laughs> is dead. SpongeBob is not oh. a living sponge. He is a dead sponge. And the entirety of SpongeBob's world takes place inside his own mind as he is dying. No! Harvested. He's a skeleton sponge. Bikini Bottom doesn't exist. But he, the one thing about sponges that I learned is if you, you cut them off, but if, um, if they are able to go back into the ocean and find a safe place to reattach, they can come back to life. So, you know, if only there was, like, a symbol of home. So <laughs> if you were lying on the deck of a ship, dying... Maybe, like, the, the pineapple is just his symbol of wanting to return to the sea. And it's all there in the lyrics. Um, if nautical nonsense is something you watch, nonsense, lack of sense, what can't sense things? Dead things have no <laughs> sensory input at all. Um, then flop, drop on the deck and flop like a fish. Aww. A dying animal. He's screaming, he's telling you. So that is my, um, that is, uh, you guys have all been made aware now of the sad truth of SpongeBob SquarePants. Whoa. He is dead. Whoa. The whole thing is a fever dream. His last moments of life. Whoa. Oh, sorry, was this supposed to be funny? <laughs> 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 and Andrew, Andrew's oh. shook, listeners at home. Uh, the moon conspiracy, or the conspiracy <laughs> that just keeps on conspiracying. I have five points for that. And as for dead SpongeBob, that flower has wilted Aww. into one point. Aww. Okay, two points, two points. <laughs> You're a, you're a cruel right. god, Andrew Give Keppel. Give a reason to carry on. Please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a reason. That reason is called Round Five. <laughs> this is our final round. It is called Back in the Day After Tomorrow, and it is a debate round. So there is no end of, you know, kind of wishy-washy quotes about nostalgia online, often in comic sans and superimposed over, like, really grainy, shitty images of sunsets with lots of hashtags and stuff down the bottom. So I thought that could uh, be our stepping-off point. We're taking as our moot for our debate a quote from sci-fi cult hit Barbarella, in some things, the old-fashioned ways are best after all, which is delivered after some oldie-timey earth lovemaking. <laughs> but while the character here is referring to um, Rumpy Pumpy, I've asked the nerds to... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of us the nerds to argue for and against nostalgia. So um, arguing for nostalgia is uh, woulda, shoulda, coulda stock, and arguing against is Fahrenheit 420. The way that this is going to work is that they're going to have about a minute or so to make an argument, uh, then they're each going to have around about 30 to 45 seconds, and then they'll have a chance to finally sum up. So whenever you're ready. Well, nostalgia is remembering good things. Not like uh, Spongebob there. <laughs> and what is, what's, what's the alternative to nostalgia, to remembering good things? Only remembering the bad things? That would be terrible. Or perhaps remembering things that happened in the future. <laughs> and that would be crazy. <laughs> and it's good, to, it's good to have nostalgia for the past. I think sometimes we should go back to the way things were. Um, like... Uh, smoking lots of weed and uh, and living in parks because <laughs> I, I, I miss broccoli and I, satanic parties. Yeah, and I spend a lot of money on on lush products. But if I lived in a park, I'm not going to have showers. I'm going to bath in Avon River, and I'm going to save so much money. Mm. And I I think that we should go back to the way things were. I miss those days. And speaking about the Avon River, Christchurch's water supply. Who doesn't think? Who doesn't miss non-chlorinated water? That was exactly a minute, so well done on introducing a conspiracy theory at the last time. <laughs> <laughs> right, over to Fahrenheit 420 for the... El per, per, per. Fahrenheit 420 for the anti-nostalgia pitch. Go. Look, nostalgia might fill you with joy for a split second, but really the long-term effects of it are miserable. <laughs> Nostalgia only fills you with like, regret, and uh, there's a number of number of arguments for that, but we won't get into that because that's miserable. Instead, let's think about the kind of like technology that we wouldn't have if nostalgia just kind of left us stuck playing Tetris without moving forward in the gaming world. Also, uh, <laughs> one time, uh, my best friend crimped her hair for a 2008 school ball, and she was teased, uh, which proves. <laughs> that cool kids don't like nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, it definitely proves that. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, my entire thesis is that um, the X-Files reboot sucked and that should not have happened and nostalgia is to blame. Right, so we're going to head back over to woulda, shoulda, coulda stock. You've got maybe um, 45 seconds to rebut... I, I would say, first off, that one time I crimped my hair for a, a primary school social. I bet it looked great, Shane. No, everyone picked on me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> but uh, the main thesis is that they have a lot of memories that they don't like. Nostalgia is to think about things that are really good. Ooh. And those who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. But what's the point of repeating the things that are really good if you can't remember them? <laughs> <laughs> and if we could insert a, a thousand words for marijuana during the podcast at this point, that would be excellent. Oh, did, do you, do you want to add something, Liv? Uh, I was just going to say, on the topic of nostalgia, we're called woulda, coulda, shoulda stock because my favourite thing researching this was uh, the list of all the bands who didn't play and all the quotes from them being like, yeah, we really should have done that. So I think, <laughs> and their regrets. So I think in nostalgia, you have to look at 
look at the bad, the good stuff, but also look at the bad stuff. You learn your lessons so you can make for a better future. So I think nostalgia is very important. Good. Well, and I'm going to give you, stuff. I'm going to give you a bit of extra time, Fahrenheit 420. So maybe uh, have another minute. Yeah, I'm not sure how to rebut any of that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the crimped hair did look crap. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, like my my generation, Generation X, the generation of Sakers. Uh, yeah, because we're not all going to be working until we're like in the eighties, just supporting everybody else who is on like Superman. Anyway, uh, where was I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, like we're just dripping in nostalgia. At, at the moment, we want everything from our childhood to come back. We want Star Wars to come back. We want Indiana Jones to come back. We want X-Files to come back. We want Twin Peaks to come back. We want... Just, like, fucking live in the now. Yeah, what it stops us from doing is challenging the things that are actually happening that are terrible. Because, like, Liv says that you want to, like, you know, go back to the way things were. But the way things were was, like super way more homophobic and racist than we are currently and all of these other things and if we just keep if we just keep being like oh yeah i want i want those cool things back then we'll forget that we can create new cool stuff and if if we create new cool stuff will we make america great again Yes. Right. Okay. Whoa. 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 We're not. We're not going down the, the scary the scary tan conspiracy route. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 15 to 20 seconds each to wrap up your argument and to sell your point to the audience because the audience are going to be the ones to decide who the winner of this debate is. So across to you. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Stock. 20 seconds. Go. Okay. More drugs. Living in parks. Always perform at Woodstock. If you don't remember what happened in the past, then you get sucked in by the people who tell you a false past and try and use it like a demagogue would. So. And then let you think that they're going to make things better like they were, but they weren't better. And nostalgia, good. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right, and um, for their final statement, Fahrenheit 420. If you only live in the past of things that you think, even even if you think they were real great, if you're only living with that stuff, then what cool stuff are we missing out on? I really like the word stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff. Very good. Stuff. (laughs) Stuff. 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 Okay. So we have, from my perspective, an argument about sleeping in parks (laughs) and... Was there much more to it than that? <laughs> saving money at Lush. And saving money at Lush. Sleeping in parks and <laughs> saving money. Because you can make your own bath bombs, like, out of park stuff. With the bread people throw for the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from Fahrenheit 420, we've had an argument about how if you only look back, then what about all the cool stuff that's still to come? Is that kind of roughly it? So I'm going to ask you, the audience, to, um, <laughs> to clap for whichever... Uh, team you think should win this debate. We will start with the pro-nostalgia team. And the anti-nostalgia team. (laughs) So, Andrew, where does that leave us? Well, as it just so happens, there were five points in that round, which was quite a really close match here. And uh, woulda, shoulda, coulda stayed on 28 while Fahrenheit 420 came ahead and won. 
And, and now they win their all expenses paid trip back to the 60s. Amazing. Yay! <laughs> they don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> because secretly we love nostalgia. <laughs> So we've we've learned lots of exciting things tonight. We've learned about the secret history of the moon. We've learned about the secret history of um, Jim Henson. <laughs> we've um, learned about the real meaning of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and we've learned about the sad, vicious death of SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. A huge thank you to Orange Studios for hosting us. To roll music for our theme song to our nerds, Shen, Liv, Moata, Ray, my moderator Andrew, to you the audience are here tonight and at home, good night and stay groovy. Yeah.